Welcome, Black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and today I want to talk about rappers. I want to talk about hip-hop music labels and how Blackness is exploited in a really interesting way. Um, I decided I wanted to do a Dr. Boyce breakdown for you to understand why Black death is so profitable for the hip-hop music industry and why we have special rules when it comes to things that can be said about Black people that aren't said about any other ethnic group. So get comfortable, buck up your seatbelt. We're going to get started on drboystv.com right now. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn into intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. And I want to say hello to everybody. What's going on, Black people? Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, on this platform, you know that we are B1, which means we're Black first. And uh, Black first means that we solve our own problems. We're not waiting for white folks. Uh, we know how to get it done on our own. And so if you agree with the B1 philosophy, put a hashtag B and the number one in the chat, hashtag B1. That's our calling card. Use that calling card anywhere on the Internet. And uh, Denise Keating, I love you, too. And uh, hey, Kevin, Kevin Bonner, good to see you, too. And uh, you mentioned Dr. Anderson. Yeah, we do uh, the Dr. Boyce Book Club every Wednesday night uh, at 8 at 830 p.m. Uh, sorry, uh, 830. Yeah, 930 Eastern, I think. I got to double check that. I want to say it's 830 Eastern. That's right. So if you want to join us for the book club on Wednesdays, you can actually sign up at uh, BlackKeysToGreatness.com. Uh, that's BlackKeysToGreatness.com. That's the URL. It's totally free to the public. You also get free access to my life class where I teach you how to be successful, how to rise above uh, the constraints of black culture. I think it's very important for young people to learn how to be winners, you know, not not a chicken dinner. I want you to be a winner because they want you to be a chicken dinner because they want to eat your ass up for lunch. They, <laughs> they love eating black people. American capitalism feasts off of black people uh, and it feasts off of ignorance. Ignorance is a multi-billion dollar industry. They make money. If you're stupid, they get paid off of your stupidity. So don't be stupid. Be smart. So everybody type the word smart in the chat. If you want to be smart, we want to be intelligent. We don't want to be ignorant because they're making money off your hand over fist. So let me uh, break something down for you real quick. This was just on my brain today. Uh, you guys saw earlier I was on uh, on with my wife, who happens to be a college professor, a very smart black lady. And we were talking about what's going on at Howard University. And uh, shout out to the students at Howard uh, who are right now fighting against the administration uh, over this mold issue at Howard. And me and my wife support them 100 uh, percent. We went for a race today. We went and ran a 5K. And there's a picture. And we got a little medal at the end, a little cheap ass, <laughs> a little cheap ass piece of metal. But we came home and we immediately talked about what was going on at Howard. And there is apparently an issue where there's mold growing in people's shoes, mold growing on the ceiling, mold growing, you know, in all kinds of places. And the students are having to prove this. 
And we wanted to stand in solidarity with the students at Howard. So look that up. If you haven't looked it up, look up Howard University protests. The students are literally living in tent cities. And I just want to give a shout out to the students at Howard. Uh, I'm with you. God bless you. And hang in there because I'm very proud of you. With that said, let's talk about hip hop for a minute. And uh, I can't explain why topics come to my mind. They just pop in my brain. And I say, boys, you know, you got to break that down. And, uh, and what I thought about today was hip hop. Right. I thought about the fact that we love as black people, we love rap music. You know, a lot of us do. I know I do. I've got a lot of friends that are rappers. You've seen Ice Cube come on this platform. You've seen some other rappers. We got rappers coming to the all black national convention this week. Uh, you know, D1, uh, J Ortiz, uh, Willie D was in my wedding from the ghetto boys. Uh, who, who else? What's some other rappers? Like Killer Mike was at the first all black national convention. So there are a lot of rappers around who do a lot of different things. And I want to make sure that it's 100% clear that uh, we don't get distracted by believing that a critique of what's going on in hip hop is a blanket indictment of the entire hip hop music industry. This is not what it is. That's not what it is. This ain't, it ain't that. It ain't that. But what? here's what it is, though. I want you to do this experiment for me. Give me a yes or no if you think, if, if this makes sense to you. I want you to think about any hip hop song you can think of where they talked about killing a black person, right? I'm a kid. I shot a nigga in the head. Shot a shot a nigga in the toe. I'll shoot niggas for breakfast, right? You know, just like shoot a you know shoot a black man, right? They 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 talk about that, right? There's a consistent conversation in the music about killing black men, like like it's like the Klan, like the Klan. I'm sure the Klan used to do that. You know, they maybe they did it with country music. I'm gonna go hang me some Negroes today. Gonna go get me some Negroes. Gonna hunt down some coons, right? Dr. Claude Anderson in Black Labor, White Wealth, he actually talks about a sport where they used to kill black people on the plantation. I don't know if y'all know about this, but it's actually uh, around page 212. And he talks about coon hunting, where they used to actually, if a black man, person got out of line, they would send them out in the woods, they would put a scent on him, and they would let their dogs chase him, and they would go hunt for him, and it would be like a three or four day hunt, like seriously, and they would, the dogs would chew him up, and they shoot him and all that, so, so literally... A lot of the hip hop music industry endorses the idea of coon hunting because apparently they think it's okay to rap publicly about murdering black people. Now, here's my question I want to ask you real quick. So I'm sorry if I sound like an asshole for asking the obvious. What if they took one of those songs? What if instead of saying I'm a killer uh, N word, right? I'm not going to say the N word, right? Instead of saying I'm a killer, uh, you don't sound nerve, right? What if I said I'm going to go kill me, um, I don't know, a Jewish person? What do you think would happen? Somebody answer me in the chat. What do you think would happen if somebody, if a rapper made a song where he said that he wanted to go out and, you know, shoot a Jew or, you know, shoot a uh, Asian person or, I don't know, maybe a, a, a trans, a, you know, transvestite or something, right? What what would happen if he put that in a song? What do you think they'd leave that on the radio? What do y'all think would would happen? Now, why am I asking this question? Um, the reason I'm asking this question. Is because it is beyond baffling to me how uh, it, it really it's baffling, but it's not baffling. It confuses me, but it doesn't confuse me. It doesn't confuse me because I told you guys I've been firmly convinced that our whole society has been stuck on stupid. That that in so many ways we are just a big pack of hypocrites because we don't we don't uh, confront our hypocrisy, right? Uh, it, 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 we just squash the voices of the people who do. We, we don't confront it. We just squash the voices that people do. So so it makes sense, but it don't make sense, right? It don't make sense for people that have sense. But for the people who ain't got no sense, the reason it makes sense to me is because um, because you have a lot of this hypocrisy in the in this society. I mean, think about this, right? You had a whole campaign last year 
Again, they did this just so they could win an election. They didn't do it because they cared about you. But a whole campaign last year with a hashtag called Black Lives Matter. That was the number, probably number one, number two, number three, trend, most trended hashtag of all of last year. Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. So how can you, I mean, I'm just trying, somebody tell me, make it make sense. Make it make sense. How can you on one hand, and a lot of the liberal politicians do that, how in the world can you on one hand say Black Lives Matter, but then on the other hand, sing and dance along to a song where the rapper just said he wants to murder as many black people as he can find, right? Like, how can you, how can you, how do you reconcile that? Can, I mean, give me a yes or no. Am I crazy or or am I, was I born on the wrong planet? You know, they have that saying like, I hate it here. So I really feel like I should have been born on another planet because that makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. I totally do not get it. And so, so this is something, it's, it's the simple stuff that gets you, that trips you up. And I was sitting there trying to figure out how in the world are you able to say Black Lives Matter when you're trying to take out as many Black people as you can, when you're trying to end Black lives? Like, that that doesn't make sense, right? And and and, and people don't respond. They just they just don't say anything. They just, they just tell you, oh, we don't like what you got to say. You must be a Trump supporter, whatever, right? Because they don't want to answer the question, right? But but that's kind of the, the game, right? Like we're just gonna not even respond when you bring up the issue, right? And and and, and so so here's what um here's what I want I want you to do. Just one day, just ask your friends, you know, just say, hey, what would happen if you took that song, you know, die nigga die or whatever, where they're talking about killing black people, and what if you took out the n word and put the word Jew in its place, or put the word Asian in its place, or put the word Mexican in its place, or put the word gay man in its place, or transvestite in its place. What would happen? You would be instantly canceled, right? So, so this is a is a point I want you to really zoom in on. Sometimes it's the simple stuff that that, that matters the most, like Occam's razor. The simplest answer is all what you typically the best one. Um, and I want you to really ask yourself about that, right? And I, I don't want you to back away from that point. If you get what I'm saying, I need you to not back away from that point. Because if you try to fit into a society that has decided to make sense of nonsense, then you're going to be as stupid as they are. You're going to be as dumb as the people who think that that makes sense. You can't tell me, because if you tell me you think Black Lives Matter, but you're singing along to a song that's rapping about killing Black people, then clearly Black Lives don't matter to you. Clearly, I can't take you seriously. You're a joke. You are a fucking joke. Okay. So, so that's the first point I wanted to make. Now, here's another thing that's very interesting, right? So there's, there's, you, you, you guys may not understand, this, but there's an economic model behind the death of black people. This all comes from the racism in America, the, the unrecognized, undiagnosed racism of our society, the racism that has yet to be confronted, hasn't been uh, dealt with directly uh, at any point. I mean, not right, right now, even at, at Howard University, the, the damn students are living in tent cities like homeless people, right? Even though their parents pay $50,000 for them to go to school that year, right? They're living in tent cities like homeless people. So your child's going to college so they can be a homeless person. That'll make no sense. Well, a lot of that is a result of the racial disparity, right? So, uh, you know, Howard's sitting around waiting for Massa to send more butter biscuits because they never learned how to develop an economic or an independent economic model. And now they're sitting there looking ridiculous because they got students that are spending insane amounts of money to go to school who are living with rats and roaches and mold and 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 sleeping in tent cities. That's an embarrassment, right? But this is a result of long-term racial disparities in America. Uh, white people have all the wealth. 
They never shared it with you. You be, And every time you tell them to share it, uh, they ignore the people who bring it up and they give you something stupid in, 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 in place of that, right? And then you find that that stupid little thing is not enough to allow Howard University to give put their students in a goddamn dorm that doesn't have rats and roaches and mold, right? So, so whatever little symbolism they gave Howard to say, we love Black people or Black Lives Matter, it obviously wasn't substantive enough because uh, if that were happening at Brown University, the alumni would get together and write a check and make that problem go away. Do you understand what I'm saying? Give me a guess if you follow what I'm saying. Sometimes I play above the rim. Or, you know, I challenge you to go above the rim intellectually and really understand deeper things. So I want to make sure that you get what I'm saying here. OK, so 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 there's an economic model behind black death and why black death is celebrated in hip hop music. Uh, in, in a way that it would never be celebrated if it were used uh, to describe any other any other group of people. Can't say this about gay people. Can't say it about Jewish people. Can't say it about Asian people. It's only reserved for black people. Well, if you read books that we've been reading every Wednesday night at 830, uh, Dr. Claude Anderson's book, Black Labor, White Wealth. I encourage everybody to get it. It's at Powernomics.com, Powernomics.com. And he, Dr. Anderson explains very specifically that this is the flaw of the Euro, the, the, the Negro pen. The, 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 the Negro that's trying to integrate, the Black person that's thinking that the civil rights movement solved all these racial problems. He said, the problem you have is that now that they've watered you down and blended you in with everybody else, and you know, in this sort of really, you know, this, this blob of like a, of a group of minorities where a gay guy can say, hey, I'm, I'm just like Black people, right? Being gay is just like being Black, right? Is that, is that you don't understand that you don't blend in. You are like oil and water with this society. There is a special treatment that is reserved specifically for Black people. Specifically for Black people, there is a special way that Black people are treated that nobody else is is treated. It's, It's connected to the fact that Black people had an experience in America that nobody else had. Nobody else went through what you went through. Right. But they've hijacked your struggle and made it into their own. And so now they're taking all your benefits and all your wealth. But yet you're still stuck holding the, the big bag full of manure. Right. You're still holding the, the bag of burning shit because because you don't understand that you're not like them, because if you were like them, then they could make a song about killing gay people. And it would be it would be treated the same as a song about killing black people. But the song about killing gay people would instantly lead to the artist being banned and canceled and everything else. He couldn't go to, you know, Lollapalooza anymore. He's not going to perform at any venue. Right. But if he makes a song about killing black people, that's going to be okay, Right. So shout out to Dave Chappelle, who did a good job of explaining this in a comedic way. Maybe comedy will help people understand how comically stupid our society has become or how comically racist we're committed to becoming. So part of the economic model is really interesting, too. I saw someone on Twitter. And my Twitter, by the way, is uh, is uh, at Dr. Boyce Watkins one. By the way, BoyceWatkins.com is where you can go to get a copy of my book. Also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Dr. Boyce Watkins one. I'll put it on the screen. So here's the deal with the economic model. I thought about this extensively, and you guys know my PhD is in finance, so I think about economics all the time. I'm always looking to follow the money and understand what the economic incentives are for certain uh, behavior to, to happen, right? Uh, and so it's like when we've broken down big pharma and I explained to you guys how the economics of big pharma creates a lot of reasons that you should have a healthy skepticism of big pharma because some of the things they do are absolutely egregious. Well, the, the thing about hip hop, somebody mentioned this point. They said, who's supporting this music? You know, it, it, we, we, black people are the ones supporting this music. And uh, so it's our fault. It's our fault that these artists make music 
where they're saying these crazy things about black people. And so there's a couple of little rope dopes that are happening that you may not be aware of. First of all, the reason that the artists are allowed to say the things that they say partly is because they're paying a black person to say it. Right. So so if it were a white person saying it, you wouldn't allow it. But because they put a black face to the racism, you let it slide right by. Right. So so it's sort of a Trojan horse is sneaking into your community because you're thinking that all people with you know all skin folk are kin folk. And we know that that's not true, because really the rapper is the puppet. The record label is the puppet master. Whatever the puppet master tells the puppet to say, the puppet is going to say. Right. So if you get into an argument with if you hear a puppet say something offensive, you're a dumbass if you go argue with the puppet. Puppets are not going to be able to argue back with you. You need to talk to the puppet master. You say, who's got his hand up that puppet's ass that's making him say certain things? I, that's the guy who I want whose ass I want to kick, not the puppet. I'm not going to fight Tickle Me Elmo. I'm not going to fight Pinocchio. I'm going to fight Geppetto because Geppetto controls Pinocchio, right? So, so my, my point is to say that, that getting angry at the artist is silly because you're assuming artists have power. They don't really have power. It's the record labels. Record labels tend to be run by a lot of people from other communities. I think the Jewish community has to answer for the fact that they are paying black people to go out and say terrible things about black people and to promote racism and violence against black people. First point. Second part of the economic model is this. I heard someone say, and they made a good point. They said, you know, black people are the ones supporting this music. We support this. So it's our fault. It's our fault. It's our fault. Here's the thing. Most of the money, hip hop music is a about a 10 billion to 15 billion dollar a year entity, right? About 10, 15, probably, probably as much as 20 or 30 billion. If you add everything in per year, is taken from the black community because they've taken your art form like they did everything else. Dr. Claude Anderson again talks about how rock and roll was stolen from black people. He took, I'm gonna read a little bit of this to you, where literally going all the way back a hundred over 150 years, he can point to a lot of art forms that were created by black people that were then commercialized by whites and they stole the wealth from all of that, right? Going all the way back to stuff like Mammy and Swanee River and Al Jolson doing blackface and all that stuff, right? Al Jolson was kind of like the original, the original Eminem or, or that white boy, uh, Harlow from uh, Louisville, actually my hometown of Louisville, I'm Jack Harlow or something, right? Like he was the original version of that, right? In terms of the white guy who took the black art form and then made it his own and then became very popular from it. But, but here's the thing that's interesting, right? So black people are not the ones that are actually paying for this music, right? A lot of hip hop music is not sold to black people. Uh, most black people I know, tell me, give me, tell me if you know what I'm talking about, if you agree with me a lot, most black people I know, you know, don't really buy their music. Um, they'll, they'll listen to it for free, but they're not really going to go buy it. Even back in the day before streaming was available, they didn't, we didn't buy it. We would record it. We'd, we'd jack it somehow. We'd get it because we didn't have the money. We didn't really have the money. Uh, also, uh, if you look at a lot of the concerts, when hip hop artists do concerts, uh, like when, you know, you have a Travis Scott or 21 Savage, uh, you're going to find a ton of white people in that crowd. Right. I remember going down to Texas and I think it was Travis Scott, the one that married the Kardashian. I pay attention to all this. So I take in information. All I do is consume information. And um, and I and I, I was in Texas and I saw a group of white kids, about eight white, white college kids, and they all had sleeping bags and they were all super excited or whatever. And I said, where are you guys going? And they said, oh, we're going to the Travis concert, Travis Scott concert, dude. I was like, really? Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah it's at the Astrodome. Right. So. <clears throat> So, so a lot of the people that put the money in the pockets of the artists are not black people, right? White, it's white people. Now, black people invest in hip hop. We invest in a different way. White people provide the, the, the financial support. We provide the cultural validation for hip hop. You know, so when they see us 
you know, saying, yo, so-and-so is lit, or I admire this artist or that artist, that's when white people say, okay, since they follow what black people do, that's when that's when the artist is able to then go and export the culture to other people. They're able to take that culture to white folks and say, look, I, 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 I am a super thug because all these black people from the hood are validating me. Right? Uh, hey, look at my video. The video is full of cultural references. If you're watching the hip hop music video, everything is like typically uh, cars, girls, money, weapons. And, and something like blowing smoke. Some usually smoking something, drinking something, or popping a pill. Like those tend to be the elements that you find in a hip hop music video. And it's cultural. It's it's all all of it's about sending a lifestyle image. Everything's lifestyle, 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 right? Fuck substance. Apparently substance doesn't matter, uh, which means I guess maybe people like myself will be in the minority. I don't give a shit because I want to talk to other people that care about substance. Um, I've seen the flash. I've been up close to the flash. I've had access to the flash. I've made more money than 99% of the people that I know. I don't care about any of that uh, because I know I know enough about it to know that it's worthless. Okay. It doesn't mean anything, especially when you talk about deteriorating your soul and deteriorating your community and really putting you in a worse position than you were in before. Just understand, go get your money, be financially secure, but just know that Getting addicted to that stuff, it's a trap. It is an absolute trap. So money's a little bit like a drug. A drug might be able to heal you and make you better, but if you get too focused on the drug, you become an addict. And then you're, you're going to be in a worse position than you were before you ever had access to the drug in the first place, okay? So, so with that said, here's what's going on with that economic model of hip-hop. White folks are, are paying the bills, right? White folks are putting money into the pockets of the artists. Black people are admiring the artists because they watch the videos for free on YouTube and they're seeing the lifestyle, right? So, uh, and, and those of you who are watching on Instagram, uh, I want you to, if you go to drboystv.com, you can see these images. If not, I'm going to describe the image. So you'll just kind of know what it is, but I can't share the image on Instagram, but you guys will see it uh, on drboystv.com. All right. So here's, here's the, here's the deal, right? So when we're watching this video and we see a dude shining, we're like, yo, he's shining. Look at that. Look at that watch. <clears throat> Look at that chain. Look at that car, right? Look at those jewels. And, and we're giving credibility to these artists because they've achieved a certain lifestyle that we desire. We literally are in the Hunger Games or the Squid Games, like, right? So we see that they're the ones who actually got the money and the jewels and all that. And then we're, we admire the person because they present this this blingy flashy lifestyle rappers been wearing big chains since since forever since rappers ever came into existence now now here's here's the issue though the issue is that when you're admiring all this lifestyle you forget that it also comes with some other uh comorbidities if you will some co- some what they are in economics we call these externalities like this guy with the toe tag on right that that literally come with the fact that you're promoting a culture that is about fast money and fast death. That's about you know th- this life giving excitement of having diamonds in your teeth, and the other reality of your mama having to come visit you in a prison cell for the next fifty years because you were slanging and banging and shooting and killing and whatever, right? Right? But and all that falls on our community. The white kid that falls on us. That falls on our people. That right? White folks who live in the suburbs who fantasize about their favorite rapper never have to deal with, 
you know, getting a call at two o'clock in the morning because your son got shot in the head while he was out trying to go get a cheeseburger, right? White folks in the suburbs don't have to deal with, you know, uh, you know, uh, some of the stuff that we've dealt with. You know, your daddy went to jail when you were five and you ain't seen your daddy since, you know, till you didn't see your daddy again till you, were at, till you got out of college, right? They don't have to deal with any of that, right? So, so literally, this, they, they, they get this admiration from black people because they glorify a lifestyle that is aspirational, that does come with a dark side, right? And because they've got this cultural validity from us, white folks pay them more money. And because white folks pay them money, they get to then get to say, look at me, look at how I'm shining. They show up in front of black people on YouTube, like, look, I'm shining. White man that gave me all kinds of money, right? And we're like, oh, he must be, he's so successful. Well, why is that son of a bitch successful? He's only successful to you because he's got money. I mean, he's probably got talent too, but there's a lot of talented people, you know, that you'll never hear about. So it ain't just the talent that got your attention. It was the, it was the bling. It was the status. The status that, that because he's been accepted by whites and been given money by whites, you then admire him to the point where you're influenced by him. You respect him. You think that he's an important person in your community when he might literally actually be a complete Trojan horse that is one of the most destructive individuals in your entire community. You understand? So, so, so the poison, you're eating the poison because it tastes so good. It tastes like, uh, you know, fried chicken. And, uh, and so, so the, 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 the way I would lay this out is like, I thought about this in terms of like, think about the cotton club. Let's go back. Cause remember hip hop is a minstrel show. That's all it is. If you go back and you study the history of minstrel shows and I'm actually read to you uh, from page 212 in black in black labor, white wealth about minstrel shows. It, it, it explains to you how this game has been going on for 150 years. This ain't, no, ain't nothing new under the sun. You just never learned the history in school. That's why it's a surprise to you. But these are things that you should be learning as a child and you should be teaching this to your children. Um, I thought about, think about the Cotton Club, right? So imagine it's 1920 and there's a little black bus boy at, working at the Cotton Club, right? So that those, he represents the people in the hood. He represents, you know, so it's so a little black boy in the Cotton Club is, uh, is, is certain, he's picking up, he's busting tables, he's wiping down tables and, and he's serving the white folks that are sitting in the Cotton Club. Cause you remember Cotton Club, they didn't let black folks come in to be uh, guests. They only allowed them to uh, perform, right? And there's a black man on the stage Who's doing a complete buck dance mission show like Chicken Joy? Like, yeah, yes, a bastard, man. You guys, yes, a boy. I was just a stupid nigga. I was just a stupid nigga. Right? He's acting a damn fool, right? And and the white people are just loving it. Oh, that boy, that boy is so talented. Oh, Lord, that boy is so good. That boy, I love him, right? And and they're giving him money, right? They give him, you know, because white people have always, even back in slavery. They love black people who could entertain them. They they would pay them well. They would become very famous. So he's put they put money in his pocket. So so he's he's doing good, right? He's shining, right? So the bus boy is watching this, right? He's seeing two things. First thing he's seeing is that this guy on stage is getting respect from white people that he would never get as a bus boy, right? So he's like, damn, if I could get on stage and be in a minstrel show, then then I'll be successful just like him. The second thing he sees is he sees this dude's up here getting money. Like when he sees the dude after after the show, he'll notice that this 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 step, you know, step step and fetch it, buck dancing Negro is driving off in a fancy car, right? So this black boy is thinking, I want to be a Sambo because I saw him actually elevate his lifestyle, you know, by by behaving in a specific way. So a lot of our boys, that's why a lot of our boys grow up saying, I want to be a rapper. 
right? Because they're sitting there thinking, man, nobody respects me as just an average black person. But if I can become like these guys who are entertaining white people, man, I'll be somebody, right? And, 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 and people who understand this from a real metaphysical almost level can understand or psychological level, subconscious level, What's going on is you are actually becoming a white supremacist at that point because you're attaching black success to white validation. White people hold the keys to whether or not you get deterred, you get decided to be a successful or unsuccessful black person. I can come back and simply say I'm a successful Negro just because white people gave me money. Do you understand how dangerous that idea is? Do you understand the depth of what I just said? That literally, if I go out here, I could join the Klan and literally hunt Negroes for a living, kill Black people, and be paid for killing Black people. And they will pay me money for that. And because I got paid money, and because you've never been uh, trained in critical thinking skill, you will admire me because you think all money is good money. That's where that's where you have to give credit to great rappers like Immortal Technique. Immortal Technique, there was one interview he did on my channel. I didn't interview him. Another brother interviewed him. I forgot his name, but, it, but we shared that we put the interview on our channel. And the one thing he told this brother was he said, all money ain't good money. All money ain't good money. I, I said, that's a simple way to say something that's very important that most people do not understand. So when you see this dude, you know, and he's shining, <laughs> you know, you, you, you kind of have to do... You have to remember, you know, you have to remember like like your parents used to do. If, your par if you come home with a pocket full of money and you got a good mother, let's say you're 16 years old and your mom is struggling financially and you come home suddenly and you got $3,000 in your pocket and you have a good mother, a smart mother who's a critical thinker. What's your mama going to say? Is she going to say thank you for the money? Is she going to say, oh, this is so good. We, we, we finally got what we need. We shining, dog. What, what's your mama going to say? She's probably going to say, where did you get that money from? What, why do you, how did you get $3,000, right? That's what a smart mother is going to say. And so for black people, I just ask you to have as much sense as your mama had. That's it. Just have as much sense as your mama had. Your mama would say, all money ain't good money. No, boy, that's the devil's money, boy. You put that money back in your, no, I do not want your money. There's blood on, on that money. I don't want that money, right? So, so a lot of the people that have money in the black community have blood on their money. They, they, they have blood on their hands. Uh, it's not is that money is not good money. OK, so anyway, before I'm going to read a little bit from Dr. Anderson's book. <clears throat> and before I do that, um, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Everybody, please do that. Um, and because uh, I need your help, because this is not these kinds of messages are not necessarily, you know, you get you get a lot of pushback when you say stuff like this. I got to fight racist white people and ridiculous black people. So uh, I need all the intelligent black people to be brave. Don't just be smart and sit back in the cut and watch. I need you digging in. I need, I want, I want you to engage in these debates because uh, I can't do this by myself, right? I can make the point and share it with you. And, and, and I'm hopeful that you'll take that point and you will apply it. You know, when you see someone do something that doesn't make sense, say something, you know, seriously, you have to be every bit I think intelligence has to be every bit as courageous as ignorance. And we know ignorance has a whole lot of courage, right? Because they, they're not even smart enough to know when they need to back up, right? So ultimately, uh, be courageous. Don't just be smart. 
have some damn courage. Speak up on the things that matter to you because you control your community. Nobody else does. Stop waiting for Superman. He ain't coming. All right. And by the way, you guys know the All Black National Convention is coming up this week. We are doing a hip hop panel. On the hip hop panel, I know we got Jay Ortiz out of Philadelphia, D1, Akila Nihonda, who's just an amazing rapper. You got to check out Akila Nihonda. She's blowing up. Uh, another artist, uh, the guys from Hip Hop Uncensored. I love those guys. Uh, Omar and, uh, oh my gosh. Omar and the other brother, uh, his name escapes me, and I feel so bad because I love these guys so much. And uh, they're they're like they're kind of like the new Breakfast Club. These guys have almost a million subscribers now, and they're extremely intelligent, and they're 100 B1. And I have Sam, Sam and Omar, Sam and Omar. Yeah, I, I, I would have felt bad if I forgot Sam's name. So they're going to be at the convention. So we're going to have a really good uh, panel on hip hop in addition to a lot of other stuff. So you can go to allblacknationalconvention.com if you'd like to take a look. And uh, please hit the thumbs up button right now. All right, so let me read some of this from page 212, Black Labor, White Wealth by Dr. Claude Anderson. His book is at Powernomics.com, so uh, feel free to take a look. Remember, the holidays are coming. You know, Get some Powernomics books for your kids or something. Uh, it's better than you know Walmart toys. Uh, all right, so uh, he says, The Exploitation and Menstrualization of Black Music. From the beginning, Black music and dance continue to thrive in an, in an atmosphere of detraction, oppression, distortion, and theft. White minstrels in the 1800s gave give rise to some of the first imitative exploitation of black music and dance. With blackface makeup, whites mimicked blacks and provided whites with black entertainment without blacks, kind of like what the Kardashians do. Uh, these white performers provided whites with a safe window into the cultural and emotional world of black people and made money. They capitalized on white fascination and attraction to black art forms. So this white fascination and attraction to black art forms still continues to this day. Uh, the same way that somebody, you know, hearing a black man in a minstrel show 200 years ago uh, was intrigued with black people in our art forms is no different from white people now who are intrigued with the hood. Like they love hearing stories about the hood. They don't want to live there. Don't really care about the people in the hood. Don't want to fix the hood. But they love hearing these crazy stories like I got shot 12 times or like 50 Cent. His whole career got built because he said I got shot nine times. Nobody wants to get shot nine times. Nobody wants to be in the neighborhood where you might get shot nine times. Nobody wants to be anywhere near the dude who got shot nine times, but they love the music because, uh, for, you know, because it, it, it's exciting. It's very interesting to them. Right. Um, so one exploitation of black art forms has uh, the exploitation has changed very little from the earliest instance of Jim Crowism on a Cincinnati street in 1830. Dan Rice, a famous white face, black face, minstrel, sorry, white black face, minstrel performer saw a ragged little boy singing Jump, Jim Crow, Jump, and copied the dance in his performances to the great pleasure of whites. Rice and other vaudeville blackface minstrels grew popular and wealthy, imitating black songs, dances, and comedy acts that contributed to creating negative stereotypes of blacks. So pay attention. How familiar does this sound? People making money by promoting art forms that promote negative stereotypes of black people. People making money by promoting art forms that perpetuate and promote negative stereotypes of black people. How familiar does this sound? People making money by marketing and perpetuating negative stereotypes of black people. I had to say that three times because I really want you to think about the consistent message and imagery that's promoted through a lot of hip hop music that's controlled by major record labels, many of which are not funded by black people. What are the stereotypes that the black man uh, is a big irresponsible thug he, that he that, that he's going he might kill you at the drop of a hat. He don't love his children. He's out chasing money and pussy. 
Uh, he doesn't have any form of financial responsibility whatsoever. Uh, he's ignorant as all get out. Don't don't even know how to spell his mama's name. If you listen to the, the just listen to the lyrics. They, so like if you want to be a rapper, you can't speak with complete sentences. If you speak with complete sentences, then you're going to be uh, made fun of. Right. They're not. Nobody's going to want to listen to your record because you're not keeping it real. Right. So these stereotypes cause problems for black people who actually try to go and engage with the world as a regular, legitimate human being. You can't have people promoting a massive distorted image of the black man as a big ass fucking buffoon and then really think they're going to take you seriously when you show up trying to become an accountant at PricewaterhouseCoopers. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. So where does this translate? Well, when you go to these major corporations, you go to a Google or you go wherever and you look at the staff, you look at their staff of engineers at Google, you will find a bunch of Indians and a bunch of white people. You might find one black person in the room, but the only time you'll see black people at the Google events is when they're there to perform. That is because you have been typecast in a specific way and you are typecast because music is the most effective form of marketing that there is. This is an image of the black man that is pushed throughout the world. I must give a shout out to David Banner, a friend of mine who was a rapper who was right in the middle of the culture, who said a few years ago, I can't do this. He said, I went to other countries and I saw the way people were looking at the black man because of the music. He said, I could not participate in that any longer. So I give him tremendous credit for that. So this is part of my point that not every rapper is an enemy. This is not me criticizing all the rappers. Some of them don't even know what they're doing. They haven't thought about it this long. Right. But but I but what I'm talking about is the industry. I'm not talking about the puppet. I'm talking about the puppet master. The puppet master is Apple Music. The puppet master is Spotify. The puppet master is universal. The puppet master is Epic Records. Those are the people that push these images out there, and they're the ones who should be held responsible. So let's keep going. Uh, so, so this is not new, though. This is something they've been doing for a very long time, which makes it very difficult for those of you who've ever tried to integrate. And this is also the reason why. The, 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 the fact that the black man is seen as an animal, as a savage beast with no sexual responsibility, no responsibility to society, no level of intelligence, no degree, uh, no, doesn't even care about his own children. The reason that that's a dangerous image is because that's why they can kill a black man and nobody gives a shit. That's why you can make a song Pay attention. We're going full circle now to the very beginning. I asked you, I said, how come you can make a song about killing a black man, but you can't make a song about killing a Jew? Well, because Jew, Jewish people are human. Black man, no, that's a, that's an animal. He probably deserved it. Why is it that you can make a song? You can't make a song about killing a, you know, Chinese person, right? But you can make a song about killing a black man. Well, because you've been marketed as a rodent. They marketed you as if you are subhuman and, and don't nobody give a damn about an animal. It's just, you can shoot, you know, somebody, maybe dogs, you know, if you shoot a dog, they'll get mad at you. But if you kill like a, you know, a roach, anybody <laughs> going to care. So that's what it is. These stereotypes are very, very dangerous. That's why it's very easy to give a black man 80 years in prison, even if he's got kids. Because they, they're like, well, he's not really human. If he was a young white boy, I could identify with him. But, you know, because I feel like he had a future and a family and, and feelings. But he's black. I mean, you know how those people are. But how do you know how those people are? I mean, you live in Kansas, bro. Like, you, how do you know how black people are when you lived in buttfuck Kansas and you ain't never you ain't seen a black person in five years? 
you have no black friends. <clears throat> well, their only exposure to black people is through media and music. So you should be very concerned when there are massive images being pushed to the public that make black people look like complete clowns. Because whether you think that they're separate from you, the reality is that they, they don't just think he's a clown. They, they kind of think you're a clown too. So anyway, let me keep reading. Hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button. Share, subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. Uh, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Also, that's my Instagram. It's The Real Voice Watkins. Uh, we have intelligent conversations there, so I hope you'll join us on Instagram as well. So he says, by the, so by, by the turn of the century, white vaudeville started to tone down its harsh mocking of blacks. This slight change was occurring primarily because talented black pioneers like Bob Cole wrote music and sketches for white vaudeville shows. This allowed white entertainers to use black songs, dances, jokes, and slang expressions without being too offensive. But black facing would not die. Paradoxically, in the early 20th century, blacks could not perform their own music and dance before white audiences due to segregation laws. Many black entertainers traveled to Europe and entertained the more liberal and enthusiastic audiences there. I'm going to skip forward a little bit. Um, by the roaring 20s, blacks had lost ragtime, Dixieland, and jazz to big band white musicians such as Dak, Jack Teagarden, Benny Goodman, and the Dorsey Brothers, who expropriated, expropriated the black art form under the label of swing. Music and dance went together. Black dances like the Charleston, Tap, Jitterbug, and Cakewalk were copied in the white dance halls. Same thing is happening right now on TikTok. Did anybody see? Give me a yes or no if you saw this. Did you see when the little girl, the little black girl, um, did a dance or something, and the white girl found it on and put it on TikTok, and the white girl had 10 million followers <laughs> and got on invited on Jimmy Kimmel doing the TikTok dance that she took from the black girl, right? So this is something that is uh, consistent. This is something that happens, uh, you know, that's happened over a, hundred, a couple hundred years. This is not new. That's the point. It's not new. Like, stop, stop thinking this is brand new. This is not brand new. Um, so by the 1930s and 1940s, a blackface singer named Al Jolson achieved national recognition by mimicking blacks. Kneeling on one knee and singing Mammy and Swanee River, Jolson's performances depicted the bewildered black yearning for the plantations of the past. So they had a white man on one knee pretending to be black who was singing about how wonderful the plantations are. Now, you know what I think about when I think when I hear that? I think about Lil Nas X and his little, his little funky ass twerking in prison, twerking in prison, like, like prison is this wonderful place to be. I mean, that's no different from Al Jolson getting on his knees, singing Mammy about how wonderful the plantations are. The only difference is that Lil Nas X happens to be black and Al Jolson was white pretending to be black. But in both cases, they have taken the most among the one of the most traumatic experiences that black people have ever had. And they made it fun and entertaining. I want you to digest that for a moment. I need you to digest that a little bit. They've taken the, literally something. I mean, do you understand how traumatic prison is? Think about it, right? A white woman, she gets, somebody grabs her booty. She can talk about it for the next 30 years and, and talk about it like it's the most traumatized thing in the world. I, I had to get therapy and I thought I thought about killing myself and it was terrible and humiliating. Right? I'm not making fun of it. I'm not making fun of it. But you go to prison, those dudes that go to prison get raped every day for like 10 years straight. <laughs> they don't care. They don't talk about it. Nobody talks about it. Well, why? Well, because the black man is typecast as as subhuman and nobody cares about what happens to an animal. Right. So so why can't I cry like the white woman? Why? Why? Why is it that 
you know, that a black man can go to prison and get sexually assaulted more times than you can count. But a white woman gets her booty touched. It's, it becomes national news. Right. Well, that's because they're they're here. You're seen here. Right. And that's also, again, why I can make a song right now and say, you know, I shot a black man last week. I, I, except I would use the N word, of course. Right. To get it, make sure it gets in there. It would get played on the radio. It could be a number one hit if I do it right. If I put a lot of stupid cultural references like, you know, some booty and some bling and some, you know, some uh, I put, you know, some uh, some weapons, you know, AK-47 with a couple blunts over here. Right. I do. If I do all of that, um, that song can get on the radio. It could become a hit. But if I make a song saying, you know, I, I saw Karen and these Karens make me so mad. So I just shot her in the head. That's not going to fly. I will get in a lot of trouble for that. I can't say that. Nor would I ever say that because that would be a horribly indecent thing to say about another human being. Right. So 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 this is this is this is all by design. And this is not new. This is this has always been true. So so 100 years ago, they had black people singing about how wonderful the plantations were, which is why. Uh, it was never taken seriously. Your trauma, your pain was never felt by anybody except you and the people that went through it. And uh, now they sing songs about how great or you got Lil Nas X twerking in prison, which is why there's not much sympathy for the extraordinary amounts of trauma that black men experience when they go to jail. Jail is a very terrible, scary place. Uh, so anyway, let me keep going. Um, the integration movement that began in the mid 1950s opened the door for whites to totally appropriate black music. So when they opened up the door for integration, um, integration was a great economic play for white people. It really benefited white people. So integration should not be part of black history. It should be part of white history because that was when they were able to colonize you fully and bring you into the system. It's It was the original gentrification, basically. Like gentrification is where white people say, wait a minute, wait, we, we were scared of these Negroes, but damn, they got property on the river. So and black people aren't that scary. So we're going down, we're gonna go down and get that property so we can go and, and build some condos on it and start making some bread, right? So that's what gentrification was, right? So integration was the original gentrification. It was where they said, wait a minute, why are we racism? Racism is not profitable for us. We shouldn't be keeping black people out of our stores. They're begging to give us their money. We should let them in and embrace them with open arms. In fact, let's create products just to sell to black people because their money's as good as our money and we need money, right? So so integration was the original gentrification. It was the same idea. Let's pull these people in so that we can extract their resources. Black people did not benefit in any way from integration other than the fact that you received a degree of satisfaction by knowing that you were closer to white people, you were closer to royalty. See, white supremacy isn't just practiced by whites, it's also practiced by blacks. And so the idea that you needed to be next to a white kid to get a good education, there's nothing, there's no science behind that. That was just something you believed. It was an ego booster, it was a placebo effect, as they call it in medicine, that made you think that because I'm sitting next to Billy White Boy, I'm I'm gonna be a smarter person, right? So um, anyway. So integration allowed them to totally appropriate black music. Now that they could get close to black people, they could study what they what we were doing and take it to market and make their own money from it. Um, and he says, uh, until that time, black music was primarily available only in black clubs and underground. Blacks did not own radio stations and only one or two white stations would play real black music. It was not sold in white record stores. Only black mom and pop shops sold it. White singers scoured black sources for new music and again minstrelized it for white audiences, this time without using blackface makeup. They made fortunes in white markets by imitating popular songs and rhythm and blues artists. 
Elvis Presley became known as the king of rock and roll. Much of the music sung by Elvis and Billy Haley and the Comets was music that was written and previously sang by black R&B artists. The title Rock and Roll came from the old blues song of Big Joe Turner called Shake, Rattle and Roll, which Haley and the Comets popularized among white audiences. Hardly any black musical artists received respect, credit or copyright compensation for their music from jazz, blues, Dixieland, gospel, ragtime, swing, bebop, boogie woogie or rhythm and blues. Stripped of their music and revenue in the United States, black musicians increased their efforts to establish new markets in Europe in the late 1950s, just as their black predecessors had done in the 1920s. By the early 1960s, Europeans have been exposed to black music and dancing could imitate blacks. The mid-1960s witnessed an influx of black-influenced European musicians and singers, such as the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Bee Gees, and Elton John. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio, actually honors many of the white many of the whites as musicians and performers as artists who discovered black music rather than the imitators who renamed it blacks lack of capital let me let me let me jump forward okay sorry naturally some black artists such as fats domino ruth brown and little richard regular targets targets of white musical imitators did not see uh, acknowledgement by these white artists as a sign of respect they became upset because they felt like they were robbed Blacks' lack of access to capital, production technology, marketing networks, and access to copyright and artistic protection not only left them exposed to the exploitation of imitators, but also left them absolutely no control over their cultural product. When major white record companies refused to contract with black performers, a few smaller white companies filled the void and developed R&B record labels and promoted black music to black markets. The return on their investment was high, not only because they created monopolies on black talent, but because they paid black performers a pittance for their valuable product. So what what I'm really seeing here from Dr. Anderson is... um, when he talks about the lack of access to uh, capital production technology and marketing networks, um, that really speaks to a lack of understanding of what really kind of drives all of this in music, right? We think that it's driven by the talent. That's why I say, stop worrying about the artists, right? If I talk about Lil Nas X or a Lizzo or whatever, it ain't about Lizzo. It's about the machine that created Lizzo or the machine that created Lil Nas X. That's very important to understand because what you're talking about is that higher layer of control that decides not just what's going to be popularized, but how that's going to be marketed, who it's going to be marketed to and how it's going to be monetized. So what has occurred with hip hop, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to be done with this, is hip hop was distorted. Remember, hip hop used to be KRS-One, You Must Learn, uh, X-Clan you know, Black Power, Go Back to Africa, uh, Tribe Called Quest, you know, it used to be uh, Public Enemy Fight the Power, and then it suddenly became, you know, fuck them bitches, let's kill as many black people as possible, bling, bling, right? It became all of that, right? It, it, it just suddenly changed. So what occurred that Dr. Anderson referenced here is that when you don't control the means of production, you are allowing others to um, distort the original art form and your original intent for that art form. Do you follow what I'm saying? So they, because they control it, they get to decide what it's going to look like and which images and stereotypes are going to be perpetuated. This is why it's extremely important in our community right now to really focus on that economic piece, to really create the mindset of in our children 
of people who want to control media collectively or individually, right? Not people who just want to get on the stage or people who want to own the stage and build the stage and create the stage and control the stage. I don't care who's on the stage. I don't care if it's a white man or a black man or an Asian man. As long as black people are the ones who are in some control of what the final message is going to be. And so when you look at a network like a BET, I could give a shit less how many black people BET hires. I know that BET is owned by Viacom, which is controlled by the family of Sumner Redstone. Sumner Redstone and his family have more power over BET and what they do than any Negro they have ever hired in the last 50 years. (laughs) There's not one black person at BET with the power to veto Sumner Redstone, this old, old Jewish guy. And his, his raggedy ass family who, who fight, they fight like a bunch of, they, they will make a nice Tyler Perry movie because they, they, they fight like a bunch of hood rats. Let me show you a picture of this family. This is, is going to trip you out. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Sumner Redstone family, but it's really fascinating. Sumner Redstone was this cranky old billionaire who, um, you know, who just got into all kinds of stuff and his family was fighting over the money and everything. So this guy is the one who decides which buffoon is going to be featured at the BET Awards. He can pick up the phone and he can veto any decision made by any black person anywhere who, who works for BET. You know, so so what so what I'm saying right now too is it's not just entertainment. It's really well really all forms of entertainment. Athletics sports is a form of entertainment. Uh so when I see Kyrie Irving going through what he's going through right now, I see that as a wonderful opportunity for the guys to go ahead and have some vision and put together the blueprint for starting a professional sports league. Maybe you don't have to compete with the NBA, but maybe you get over to the side and you create something that's worth a couple billion dollars that can feed maybe 20, 30, 50,000, 100,000 black people, right? You see, so 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 when you're talking about measuring success of your celebrities, uh, you got to measure them in different ways. You can't just measure it by how well one individual is doing. I don't care what your net worth is. I don't care how much money you're throwing up at the club, Diddy. I don't care how how much, how many magazine covers you've been on. I want to know how many thousands of black people have you been able to hire and give opportunities to. You know, I want to I want to see how many communities, full communities, have elevated their entire economic condition because of your presence in that space. If Jay Z is a billionaire, um, I need to be able to go back to the Marcy Projects and find three thousand people who are unemployed, or excuse me, who are who are fully employed because of some venture that Jay-Z created. It's not me making fun of him. It's not me attacking him. It's me challenging these individuals to have a little more vision than what they have right now, uh, because an owner thinks in a certain way. An owner is a person who says, even if I don't have much money and it's not very big, I want to own it. I want to control it. Right. And a lot of us just want to kind of get on board with whatever white people build. And then when white people prop us up, you know, on this false uh, air balloon, making us feel like we're the biggest Negro in the room, we run out and we thump our chest and we we show off our bling and, and get everybody thinking that we're doing well and we're shining when you actually don't have any true power to change anything in your community. There's almost nothing about the condition of your community that you can actually change. Like, like so, because I would think to myself, with all the highfalutin Negroes that graduated from Howard University, like just go back to Howard, all the highfalutin famous Celebrity, I'm talking about people in Hollywood, people, you know, on TV, radio, making hit records and all that, talking all this mad shit about how great you are and you're a Howard alum. How come they can't all get together and get those students out of those moldy ass dorms? I don't understand that. 
you're literally sitting there. The students are suffering in silence. Like you're not actually standing up to do anything. Nobody from Howard is able to, to control anything or write a check. Well, why is that? Well, that's probably because Howard's a white owned university that, that the only people that have the ability to write the check necessary to get those students out of that moldy dorm is some white person who is controlling the puppet strings. Seriously, and, and prove me wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, again, I'd love to be proven wrong. I really do. But but to me, when your kids are just out there struggling, like, and this goes not just for um, the black community in general, but it's really a, uh, it's really similar. It's it, a microcosmic example of that would be like, if your kids are out in the street hungry, that people are going to look at you and be like, why are your kids out here dirty and hungry? Like you, you can't feed your own damn children. And so I think that when our kids are out here, you know, protesting because they're living in moldy dorms, but they get, you're supposed to go to this HBCU has got all this pride, right? Um, or they out here begging for jobs from white people. If I'm, if I'm white or Asian or anything, I'm gonna look and be like, damn, what's wrong with the black man? He can't even protect his own kids. These, what's up with black people? Sheesh, you you people are pathetic. I, that's literally what I would be thinking. I'm not I'm not justified. I'm just saying that's that's probably what they think about you because it's 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 tacky. It's tacky and it's weird. Uh, you know, so we have to identify what power really looks like. And so, um, you know, more specifically, I think it would be just I don't I see no barriers to why you know like all the all the athletes and guys that agree with Kyrie and the celebrities and everything, how come you can't get together and raise a billion dollars and start a sports league? Why not? And you don't even need a billion. You can probably pull it off with $100 million. You know, you know, Ice Cube has the big three. I don't think Ice Cube has more money than Kyrie and all his friends put together. You know, I mean, all you need to create a basketball league, honestly, is you need basketball players and a basketball court and some referees. That's kind of all you need. And then the rest, you can kind of put it in there. You can broadcast the games on the internet. And if you get the audience size big enough, then you can sell sponsorships and eventually monetize it at a higher level. I just don't get it. The only thing that I that, that makes sense here is that it's a lack of vision, right? Because the amount of money that, for, especially for an athlete that's in the NBA right now, the amount of money that the white man can pay him right now is probably higher than the amount he could make by being a part of something that he creates on his own. Uh, but the trade-off is that when you create something of your own, the original payoff isn't very high, but the value of your long-term asset is tremendous. Do you understand? So, so, so you may leave, you know, when I left my job and started my own business, I made half of what I was making on my job, but I owned the whole goddamn company. So as the company grew, so did my wealth, so did my income. And also I gained that ability to employ lots of black people so that my success wasn't just my success anymore. I wasn't just a fancy Negro with a job anymore. I was a guy who had the ability to change the living conditions of lots of people. That's a pretty awesome position to be in. And I think that um, that this is the kind of thing we have to give our kids from birth. We can't just kind of um, expect it to happen. Um, but I th- really think we got to change our mindset in a major way. So anyway, that's my two cents on the issue. Um, I still, you know, my rapper friends, I don't hate you. Don't think I hate you all. I, I really don't. But I challenge you uh, to just stick to this rule. Look, if you wouldn't say something about a Jewish person or a woman or a member of the LGBT, LGBT community, um, don't say it about black people. You know, don't don't run around here talking about killing black people and all this other stuff, man. You can rap about something else. It's a million things to rap about. Be a human being. Be a true artist. A true artist has a range 
of expressions. There are a range of experiences, a range of emotions. Look at Eminem's old crazy ass. One minute he's rapping about, you know, how uh, he's hooked on drugs. The next minute he's rapping about being happy. The next minute he's rapping about how he fantasizes about killing his mama. The next minute he's rapping about, you know, what he what he wore to work that day. You know what I mean? Like like you can you can have range. Why does every song have to be, you know, smoking, drinking, popping pills, <clears throat> killing black people, driving a foreign whip or, you know, wearing extra jewelry? Like it's it's stupid. It's old. It's it's not even artistic expression. It's not even you're not an artist anymore. You're simply a corporate puppet. That's what you are. So be an artist. That's all I would say to artists. Like be a damn artist, period. All right. So anyway, that's my two cents on the issue. Um, all black national convention is this week. I hope you will join us. Uh, we will be covering hip hop and stuff like that. I'm not going to do a lot of the talking during the convention because I feel like we need we need a different type of black leadership. We need black leadership by committee. And so as much as you guys respect me and appreciate and, and support me, and I appreciate that very much, um, I want to use this as an opportunity to really support all the other smart black people in the community that we need to hear from. Because, you know, one day I might be dead and some people think I'm an asshole. So uh, there are over 60 speakers that we're bringing in together for the convention in Orlando. You can go to allblacknationalconvention.com to check it out. Also, uh, I see my brother says he's going to be there. I look forward to seeing there is you, Mr. Carl Crockett. I'm going to mark that name in my brain, Carl Crockett. Uh, I look forward to seeing you. And uh, also you can join virtually. So uh, go to allblacknationalconvention.com. Bring your kids. It's very family friendly. Uh, Disneyland's right down the street, and we have nine restaurants on the property. It's really a nice experience, you know. Like we wanted to, we wanted to kind of have a classy kind of thing for Black folks, where you can really get in there and really feel as special as you truly are. And uh, that's why we chose this year to, um, you know, kind of level it up a little bit and spend a little bit more money. And and uh, believe me, it was expensive. And we did it on our own, and we pulled it off. <clears throat> and so uh, I guarantee you're going to be. Uh, a transformed person when you're done. Also, your kids will be transformed. What I would like to ask anybody to do, if you agree with what we're doing here, please share this information with other people. Tell other people, tell your friends, tell your family, uh, because we want to make this thing work. And uh, our goal is to build a better, stronger, blacker, more capable, more authentic model uh, for success long-term. And I, one thing I believe in for sure is we need black leadership by committee, not individuals. Get past you know, believing in that one charismatic guy that you think can do everything. That's not how communities elevate. You elevate with institutions. You elevate with dozens and dozens of people who are experts in a multitude of areas coming together for a common purpose. So our common purpose is be one black first, very simple, very basic. Okay. All right, guys, I got to go have a good night. God bless you. Thank you for listening. I love you. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out. And uh, I will see you guys very, very soon. Take care. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money and the power, never be fake. Stick to co sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is blissful, we can turn it to intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Voice TV. Here we are.